The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome, everybody, to episode four of Stories from the Sidelines. Today, as always, uh, we have with us Matt Keogh. Matt, how's it going today? Great. Matt's over here playing with the lights. He found a new toy <laughs> while, while we're doing the podcast. All right, I'll stop. <laughs> um, along with Matt today, we have uh, Chris Ellis. Hello. And a uh, special guest of mine, my very own stepdaughter, Sarah Beckage. Hi. All right. Sarah was kind enough, and Chris were, were both kind enough to join us for the show today. Uh, we've got a lot of topics written, as always. We're going to try to get to most of them, knowing me, probably not get to a lot of them. Um, but we're going to start off. Uh, Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, as a player, as a, what, you, what you played, what you coach, um, and what you're doing now. All right. So, um I played uh, soccer uh, from as little as I can remember, um, and I'm currently still playing, playing in a BDSL league. Um, I played baseball, I wrestled for a little bit, and uh, I ran track uh, for school, usually uh, just to keep myself up and ready for soccer. Um, But yeah, soccer was the main sport. Um, I started coaching when I was... 15 or 16, helping out with my little brother's teams, um, starting off at like U8, U9, so nothing crazy. Um, and then uh, the oldest team that I've coached for soccer has been a 16, 17 team. Okay, great. And I love the fact that you coach travel because we're going to definitely talk a little bit about the difference between house, travel, high school. Mm-hmm. I know for me, um, our high school team wasn't very good, so my more – it was uh, – Usually it's your travel team that kind of keeps you in line with your high school team. Right. Mine was kind of the opposite. You know, ours, we were a higher level travel team, and, and that's where I got my higher level competition from. So we'll definitely get into those subjects a little bit later. Um, Sarah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi. So I played basketball since, like, I don't know, I was, like, seven. That was my main sport. And then I got into cross country when I was, like, in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. So I did that through high school pretty much. Besides last year, and then we'll talk I, about that. Yeah. Why you didn't do it? <laughs> and last year. I did track as well, so I was three seasons. Uh, I actually coached the team that I started playing when I was little, like a little rec team, and then I went on to coach a boys like like a house team almost, but they were older. They were like freshmen in high school. Okay, awesome. And then Matt, nobody wants to know about you anyway. Matt, <laughs> just re- remind everybody about yourself. Here. No, just listen to like the first episode. <laughs> Go back to the original. What are you doing, jumping in? What is this five now? The, the episode four. Episode four. This is episode four. Episode four. Yeah, I'm don't you. don't jump into episode four. Jump into episode one. <laughs> don't skip chapters. Come on, man. Absolutely. Um, so we're gonna. T- first thing I want to talk about a little bit is um, we're gonna fast forward to the Olympics with the Olympics uh, just wrapping up. Um, I always found it very interesting with the athletes. Normally, if you're playing NFL, NHL, Major League uh, Soccer, Major League Baseball, 
you know, if your team doesn't do well or if you don't do well, you always have next season. You always you're training for next season. In English Premier League, if you don't win, you're, there's next season. Even if you get relegated down to the Champions League, there's still next season. With the Olympics, it's crazy that these guys, some of these guys, this is their only chance. And if they don't win, they're hoping that they can make the team in four more years. Um, that's just crazy to me. I mean, it's even coaching. If you don't win a championship, ne- there's always next year. You're looking towards the future. It would. It's just. It. I find it mind-boggling and just how much pressure that these athletes have to be under. Where if you don't win, you can try again if you're lucky in four years. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on that? So I will relate it to uh, the World Cup as well. So every World four Cup years, yep. Um, it, it's one of those things where. You know, you lay everything out, you know, it's realistically, it's now or never. You don't know what's going to happen in four years. And, it, you know, it's almost like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. And quite literally, you do, or of your nation, at least. Um, but, you know, watching all the players, you know, go through it, at train and, you know, actually doing it myself. You know, I look at myself, I was like, okay, four years ago, where was I, you know, and... It's the world of the unknown, you know, injuries happen, you know, obviously new and better players are going to come up and come through. Uh, But, you know, having that pressure can really take a toll on you. And it's insane to sort of uh, see how the players take it and how um, how they take the pressure and how they deal with it and how, uh, you know, I think of myself and uh, going into some like when I played college. When I was on the field, you know, my heart was racing so quick. I probably could have dropped dead right then and there. You know, I could have stopped at any point. I can't imagine being in that situation. But, I mean, that's just the difference between the professionals and, you know, us regular Joes. Yeah, and that's even just playing college sports. Like you said, you know, if you have freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, senior year, there's always another game for you. There might be some hotshot freshman coming up when you're a sophomore or junior ready to take your spot. But you have that four-year window to keep playing, whereas these guys, some of them especially just age out. Some of these guys might not make the team until they're 25, 26. Next, I'm glad you brought up the World Cup. Next World Cup or next Olympics, you're 30 years old now, um, especially when you get into the track and field events, the, the gymnastic events, the swimming events. If you're a 30-year-old, 32-year-old, that's you're ancient. Yeah. You're, you know, you're ancient. You're, you're battling against guys that are 20, 22, 24. Um, and it's crazy. I mean, and Sarah, I know we talked about this with Simone Biles um, uh, having, you know, succumbing to the pressure there. Um, it's just if, even though the fact that she's already been so successful in the previous Olympics was considered one of the best gymnastics, um, uh, one of the best people in gymnastics out there, even she succumbed to the pressure and had to bail out. And I know we talked about that a lot at home. What are what are your, some of your thoughts on that? Well, I think that's also a very different circumstance because, like, with her sport, like, she's doing tricks that are named after her. Like, she doesn't even get the difficulty points because no one else can do them. Like, she would just win everything. But, like, if she's not in the right mindset, like, she could be paralyzed. Like, that's just something where, like, if she's not feeling it, she should sit out because, I don't know. And I don't think anyone can say, like, she quit. Like, you go and do that. How many medals do you have? Like, shut up. Like, yeah, absolutely. And and I'll be honest. You know, when it first happened, it was like, well, you know, you you can you know suck it up. It's for your team. It was the team events. But at the same time, 
you're right. If you're, how many times do we see that in soccer? If you're not feeling it, if you're you're just um, you're hurt, you're banged up, let the other guy go out there. Coach, I need a sub. I I gotta I gotta sit out the second half. I'm just my ankle's killing me. Whatever. Um, so y- you definitely do have to look at it where you know she was putting her team first. Could she have tough? Could she have toughed it out and maybe still uh, gone on? Possibly, but. She wasn't in that right mindset, and she figured we've got subs for a reason. We've got girls who are in that right mindset. She trusted her teammates could pick it up, and they still won a silver medal, and I thought handled themselves really well. Um, so, And I know she's been getting uh, some backlash from it on social media, uh, which I, you know, like Sarah said, it's nobody besides her is going to know. You know, we, we could only hope to be in the position that she's in and, and have no idea the type of pressure not only her but all of those athletes are feeling and just being on the world stage. So um, I agree. Uh, Matt, any thoughts? Um, I kind of I kind of agree. It's like the big, one of my biggest pet peeves is seeing some sort of sport news, no matter what it is. And just having somebody just like start commenting on it, like they like they know what they're talking about. That is like, oh, like say like somebody gets like a different like a high pay raise or something. It's like he's such a sellout or something like that. I was like, what are you like? What are you talking about? Like, why are you why are you so judgmental? And with the wholesome bile saying, it's like, yes, on one hand, like like you don't you don't know the situation unless you were there, but. I, you know, as a phys ed teacher, I had to take like sports psychology classes. And like one of the things they teach you about is like, yeah, like ultimately you just got it. Like if you're an athlete, you got to do what's right for you. Like if you know that you're just mentally just not there and you could hurt yourself or you could hurt the team and just that's your call no matter what else. And it's the Olympics nonetheless. So it's like you got the entire nation riding on you. I don't care who you are you'll crack under that pressure eventually. Oh, and she had the whole world. Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, she doesn't, she didn't have to do the Olympics. Like she's already got all her medals and their tricks. Like she's yeah. just there to be there. Exactly. So who are you to judge her while you're just sitting there watching her on the TV in Triscuits? Yeah. With her six pack. Like, yeah. With her six pack. <laughs> and you're like any six foot dude. Your six, her six pack and your six pack of beer. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, you know, I, I don't know enough about this situation, but I, I was going through the wormhole of the internet and I saw like, uh, Michael Phelps, you know, said something about that, and you know, I got to give her a lot of props. I got I mean, she's got more guts than I do, that's for sure. Because I wouldn't be able to do that if the whole world is saying, "Hey, listen, you got to do this." Yeah, it doesn't matter where I'm at. I'm, I'm going in. And I'm doing it. For her, she was able to take that step back and say, "Listen, there's however many other girls on the team that can do." You know, just what I am. They made the team for a reason. I got to put my faith in the team. And, you know, like I said, I give her a lot of props for doing something like that because. Like, she was also, like, toughing it out, too. Like, she was going into it knowing that she wasn't ready, but she was still doing it until she reached the breaching point. So, still, that should be something to talk about, too. It's not like the Olympics didn't have, like, we're coming up and she's like, no, I'm not going to do it. Like, she went into it knowing she wasn't mentally right. And then she got into the situation, then realized it. How old is she now? Oh, gosh. She's still in her 20s. Yeah. I believe she's 24, 25. Yep. Which, which for gymnastics, is pretty old. Pretty old, right? I know by far, um, I know by far she was the oldest one on the team by at least, I want to say, three, four years, if not, if not more. I know there were a lot of, um. She just keeps getting better. Yeah. (laughs) And there were a lot of teenagers that she was competing against. Um, and it's uh, it's pressure. I yeah. mean, um, but like you said, she didn't have to. She didn't have to be there. 
she could have easily said, hey, I, I had such a great Olympics last four years. All I'm going to do is my national competitions or live off of my endorsements or do whatever she wants. Um, she chose to be there. I personally thought it was fantastic that she was able to do the last event and still pick up a bronze medal. Yeah. Um, I think it was it was great that she even said um, in one of her interviews, I believe, that uh, um, that was one of her most special medals, even though not counting all her golds, just going back, kind of redeeming herself. and Not, not that she needed to redeem herself, but winning that bronze, coming back from her, um, her stuff that she had, and I, she said that was very special for her. So I thought that was fantastic and just goes to show to her character. Oh, yeah, 100%. I'll take a bronze medal. I don't care what medal it is. <laughs> like my biggest pet peeve is like you see them win and those people who get bronze are just like so pissed off. Like yeah. you're the top third. Like you're the third best person in the world. Like, I know. You should be smiling. I don't care. Like, even the person in last, like we're like, oh, they suck. But like, did you guys see that tweet where they like put someone like normal in? Like yeah. I would love to see that. Just like oh, yeah. drowning in the pool while everyone else is lapping them. There's a lifeguard for Olympic, Olympic class swimming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they sit there and they watch world-renowned swimmers swim. The most worthless job ever. Exactly. Like the you don't need to be though. here. I mean, it's like they, they get paid to do nothing. Listen, the only time they need a lifeguard is if I'm in the pool for an Olympic swimmer. <laughs> I'd be, those guys would lap me and lap me and lap me and lap me. He's um, drowning with style. <laughs> Give yeah. him the style Are points. There style points in the relays or anything like that? <laughs> Breaststroke is style points. Um, speaking of that, we're going to get into a little bit. Now, Sarah, I know you were coaching. Um, you played basketball and you got to coach basketball uh, last year. Uh, tell us a little bit about that because I know you coached an all-boys team. Um, tell yeah, us a little was, about your experience. experience. So I coached with one of my, like, varsity friends, and she was the head coach. And I was assistant. So, I mean, I just did a lot of, like, background stuff. But, yeah, it was definitely weird because we were only, like, a few years older than the boys that we were coaching. So there was, like, that first-time experience of, like, they didn't have as much respect for me because I was a girl. And I, like, hate to pull that card with people because, like, they're like, oh, whatever. But, like, no, it's, like, the first time I actually experienced that. No, it's a, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. And, yeah, yeah, it's... Because, like, we'd be like, come on, like, let's get going. And they, we'd, like, make jokes because, like, we're trying to be friendly. Like, we're, like, not that far apart in age. And, um, but, yeah, like, you could just tell. Like, if I was, like, we, like, me and my friend talked about it, but, like, we actually talked about the head guy running it because he was, like, an old teacher of ours, like, a while ago. And he's like, no, like, I'll talk to them about it because, like, I mean, here we are, like, we think we're pushovers. or And then there's parents who are like, these girls don't know anything. That's like, we've been playing basketball for 10 years. Like, we know what we're talking about. <laughs> now, did you have to have, like, that that crack-the-whip moment with your team where you just, hey, See, guys, that was the thing, gotta... like, we tried that. Like, um, our modified coach, I was thinking about this, he was like, he would be a great varsity coach because, like, if we were out of line, we're running laps. So it was, like, the best, like, fitness of my life right there. <laughs> but um, we tried that with them. They didn't care. It was, like, a joke. And, like, it was a house league, too, so, like, some of the really good guys, like, just were like, who cares? Right. So, yeah, so that was definitely an experience, like, I mean, we had fun, and we did well, but the respect was definitely not there for us. Now, I myself coach girls. I, I, I find it funny that I coach, um, I've coached girls sports. In fact, right now I coach uh, JV over Kenmore East, JV soccer. Um, I've coached uh, varsity girls soccer before. I've coached varsity guys, JV guys. Um, I do find it a little interesting where it seems people have no problem with a guy coaching girls sports. But when a, go- a girl coaches guy sports, like you said, you get feedback from the parents. You get feedback from the you don't might not get as much respect from your uh, the kids that you're coaching. Um, have it, have you guys, uh, uh, Matt or Chris, have you guys ever had a uh, female coach or ever had a um, 
maybe even not a female coach, but just uh, a female mentor or giving you tips or somebody uh, as a as an athlete? So I guess I'll start first. Mm-hmm. I only playing uh, you know house soccer. I, I've had some uh, female coaches. For me personally, it was never a problem. Um, I was kind of raised like, you know, you give your coach 100% respect. Whatever they say, you know, they say jump, you just ask how high. Um, but I, I have seen, and even uh, to myself a little bit, you know, being younger, I'm sure that can take a toll with that age gap being so oh, yeah. small where – I mean, even if you don't carry yourself the right way, you know, the kids aren't going to respect you and you have to command that. I can't even imagine, you know, being a girl in that situation. It's just, but I have seen it. It's all the time. And you see guys coaching, you know, girls teams. And it's, it's weird. The kind of, uh, the double standard where it's like, oh yeah, no, it's fine. If a guy's coaching a girls team, but girls coaching a guys team is so far out of the realm of possibilities you know um and to an even further extent where we are from clarence uh, there's a lot of uh entitlement that the kids go through and it's very relevant especially as you go down the pecking order from a teams to b teams anything that's not travel which these personalities can reach the higher levels, but if a kid has that, you know, attitude, they almost become uncoachable. If they're not going to listen to you, if they're not going to be a part of the team, it's detrimental to not only them and you, but the whole team. Oh, for sure. There's been times, whether it's been uh, on a soccer team or a track team or something that I've coached, there's been times where um, you almost get that to that point where it's addition by subtraction. You know, where you're, no matter how uh, rock solid a kid is, no matter how, uh, if they're the top of the team or towards the top player on the team, if they have that bad attitude, if they have that diva attitude, um, it's infectious. And it it poisons, I've seen it poison a team. I've been a part of it both as a player and as a coach. Um, sometimes the I've, I've gotten to the point where I've had to um, talk to a parent talk to that athlete, bring in my athletic director and say, listen, it's gotten to a point where right now you're being a detriment to your team. You have one or two choices. You can either, you know, shape up or I'm sorry, I'm going to have to cut you. Um, And it's, it's there. I've seen it go both ways, but it's always, absolutely. Sometimes it's just an addition by subtraction. Um, and not only that, but if your teammates or players on your team are seeing a player disrespect you as a coach, it doesn't take very long before the entire team is disrespecting you. And it's one of those things where you you have to cut the head off. You have to you know end that immediately because that's a very slippery slope. Once one gets on, then you know the mm-hmm. whole team sees it, and then you know sooner or later you lose in handle of the whole team. Now, do you think, too, that that happens with when it's more of a younger coach as opposed to more of, like, me, a coach where been around a lot, uh, been around a lot um, you know, a coach that's in his 40s, the parents see almost like that authoritative figure as where even the players, if you're only two, three, four, five years older than them, they might get a little, maybe a little too familiar with you? A hundred percent. And 
the most of the roles that I've played when I've coached as I've been the the fun coach. I've never had to have that big responsi- responsibility of being a head coach. Um, I had coached like a U8, U9 team. Um, but at that at that level, you know, you're more or less babysitting and working them through the basics. And they just don't have the, uh, the, the attitude developed yet, you know. Can I tell you, though, sometimes coaching those U8, U10, U9 teams are the best teams oh. to coach. Because you literally just roll the ball out there, and if they do, if they get some of the small, simple foundations, if they're able to do a step back, if they're able to do a cross, they get so excited. And it just makes, at least for me, it just flashes back to when you were that age. And it's just like, oh my God, it's, they get that aha moment so fast. And it's, it, for me, it's just awesome seeing it. Oh, it's, it's so gratifying, you know, and especially at the younger ages, you know, they do the smallest thing and then all of a sudden you're blowing up and you're saying, oh, great job. And then, you know, that boosts them, that boosts you and the whole team starts to, you know, try a little harder because they want, they want that recognition. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely love coaching uh, the younger kids. I mean... As well as the older kids, but like I said, when you get the younger kids, you just get this whole different aspect of coaching, and it's very wholesome and very uh, – I, I love it personally. Absolutely. Um, now, this is kind of going out to everybody. As young coaches, um, uh, what's kind of the biggest like uh, lesson you've learned, um, whether it's been your first year coaching, whether it's been first couple seasons? Like what's something that you kind of – you might not have thought that you needed to be aware of when you first started or got into your first or second season, but what's something looking back, like, man, I can't believe I used to do that. I can't believe I used to run a team like that. I can't believe I did this, or I wish I would have done this sooner. What's some of your guys's uh, like lessons, biggest lessons that you guys learned? I see a big smile over there on Matt's face, so we're going to go to him first. Um, as a player, I... I, I don't know if it's just the personality that I have, but I hated the coaches that would take everything so seriously and like very kind of just like making everything feel like it's such like a big priority. Um, I hated that. So when I started coaching, I wanted to be like, all right, guys, like I, I was a little more laid back in my head. But after like after a complete like chaos broke out, I was like, I understand why now. <laughs> so instinctively, I like so after I learned that, like I just wish I didn't go in with such like a loose, laid back personality. Like I was like, I right, I gotta whip these kips, like whip these kips, whip these kips. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, I was just like, I, I gotta, I gotta, I understand the severity of how they're coaching us yeah you gotta you gotta set the standard from the get-go and you know that really continues out throughout the whole season you gotta let them know hey listen this is how it's gonna be um and it's different for at different levels if you're if you're coaching a premier league team you know me personally i gotta win you know it's i've got this massive competitive drive that's you know even when i'm playing now you know it's like oh my my body you know probably can't take 10 20 slide tackles in a game but i'll do it all game just if it means i'm coming away with a win you know um but i i had a coach that um from when i was about 15 up until um my first year of college uh he was my travel coach and he you know was all business you know if there was any mistake, you know, any goofing off. He also had this rule 
that was I thought it was crazy at the time, but no cussing. He was like, if you guys swear at all, we're running. We're running the whole practice. And, you know, it's one of those things that's that's how he ran his teams. And we were very successful. Uh, made me hate going to practice, you know, <laughs> two or three times a week. But, you know, we came together as a team and we didn't lose that often. <laughs> it show, It has results. It shows the results. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. Trust the process. Absolutely. And Sarah, coming in as a first year coach, did you have any any expectations? Did you now I know you've you've seen me, you've heard me with my coaching stories before you got into it. Did you have like any any expectation coming into it? Um, well, I didn't coach that long because like COVID hit and everything, but as a player I could definitely like say some stuff. But uh my JV basketball coach was very like chill like we didn't really run a lot and that definitely showed because we were tired <laughs> in our games but uh yeah she's really chill so me and my friend Lizzie were just like throwing the ball back and forth each other at the wall and then we just looked at each other and we're like do it and you know there's like those metal frames around the clock yeah. yeah so that's where it took a turn and we just whipped the ball at it whole clock and the cage came down shattered everywhere everywhere so, yeah, we almost got kicked out of our playing space and everything. But, like, she didn't care. Like, yeah. she was, like, she was mad, and then, like, it was over. So, like, that was definitely an environment where, like, it was, like, all loosey-goosey. But then, like, my modified coach, like, he was... can't swear on Intense. Here. Yeah, he was intense. <laughs> but uh, I, I honestly, like, appreciate him more for that because, like, we were so good. And, like, he still would joke around with us. I mean, he did not say the nicest things. Like, if you missed a pass, like, he'd tell you to, like, go and, like... But like, it was it was definitely an environment. And what style? What style did you like better? What style did you think worked better? I honestly better? think the more like aggressive and like kind of like cut that stuff out is like better because you still have your fun and you do better. Because if you're all like chill, like it just it goes to chaos. Yep. Hey, <laughs> winning's fun. Winning's fun. We can have fun when we win. You know. Oh, I. It's one of those things. You've heard. I talked about how I'm competitive, Larry. Me, you should see Chris and I if we get into a competitive state. <laughs> you think we're both competitive? We listen, Matt. I'm still waiting to set up this uh, this soccer team. You know that that we've I'm, been talking. I'm making about it soccer. tonight. I'm making it tonight. All right. Like I said, I'm I'm filling the old man quota for that. Like, <laughs> we'll, we'll I'll come out of retirement for it. You'll you'll put the boots back on. I'll put the boots back on. Might uh, might need a few knee braces with it. We'll but. get the magic spray so your legs can just feel like great again. <laughs> Absolutely, um, but yeah, I I I like the. Uh, there are some player or some coaches who are known as players coaches. They like to be the fun guy, but um, in my personal experiences, you've got to. There's time for fun, um, but when as a coach, when it's time for business, you've got to let the team know it's time for business practice is not there for social hour you're not there to have fun um you're there to get business done for those games can practices be fun absolutely have i had many fun practices for my teams absolutely have i had practices where i've run them into the ground or maybe been a little too hard on them absolutely um i think that's the biggest thing for coaching is you've got to find that fine line um sometimes you see coaches who are too friendly become too much of a player's coach and they'll take advantage of it. I've had coaches where they try to be the quote-unquote cool coach, and next thing you know, um, your player, your team isn't playing up to the standards you know you're capable of playing at. Yourself as a player, you're not playing up. Your your standard of play has slipped a little bit. Um, I've uh, <laughs> There's been times where, as a player on travel teams, I've kind of had to go to my coach and, hey, listen, can you be a little tougher on us? You know, can you give us some more drills? Can you make us run more? Because 
we're really we're we're better than this. And our last loss, we should not have lost. And you should be a little bit more upset about that loss. Um, there's been times I've had to learn that lesson as a coach, especially early on, um, where I've cracked the whip a little too hard. Maybe I shouldn't have run them as hard as I did the day before a game or two days before the game. Maybe it should have been more tactical stuff. Um, I feel like as as coaches and as in players, sometimes it is a little trial by error. You have to you have to learn. You have to get your style of coaching in. You have to get your style of players in. And for me, it's always been you've got to know your players on your team. You've got to know what motivates them. Um, a certain style might motivate Chris, but might totally turn Matt off. Same thing with Sarah. It might you might have to have a little bit in between. Um, so you definitely have to know your players that you're coaching, um, and I think that's where the um, that's where the psycho uh, the psychology comes in, and that's where just talking to your team, um, you know, in between a drill. Hey, Chris, what'd you think out there? You know, I noticed you were struggling a little bit with your right side. What do you need to do? Um, whereas, you know, Matt, uh, you know, you missed your last three crosses. What are you going to do to get better? Stuff like that. And you kind of talk to your team a little bit and you just figure out, um, what motivates them. You know, whereas Matt might need a little bit more of a kick in the pants to get going. Chris might need a little bit more of just praise. Sarah might need to be, you know, talked to a little bit more and have more compassion or whatever. So, um, I think that's the biggest thing for coaching too, is you just got to know your team. Yeah. Chris, you don't need praise. <laughs> that's the worst thing for it. Yeah. My ego doesn't need to be any bigger, but and no. And uh, on top of that, it, I've been with, uh, the team, the sixteen seventeen uh, team for at least five years now. And it's nice to be comfortable with them. You know, they know, they know the standard at this point, you know, they know, what to do when not to goof off all that good stuff and uh actually if you don't mind me butting in with a little story we no, were absolutely that's that's why it's called stories from the sidelines <laughs> we uh we went to uh a tournament i can't remember where but um they were about 13 or 14 at the time and uh we were ahead by two or three uh going into the second half and uh, I was the only coach there, and at the time I was the buddy buddy coach, and so they thought they, um, you know, they came up to me. They were like, "Coach, listen, if we're up by like three or four, do you think the keeper at the time had a little bit of entitlement and you know attitude problem?" But he was like, "Do you think I can play striker?" And the whole team was playing amazing, and I thought, "Oh, okay, this is you know no problem at all." I was like, "Boys, listen." If we're up three 0 at halftime, I will I will do some finagling. I'll put in our second keeper, and you know you can play up top. Was the worst decision I've ever made in my lifetime because three or four minutes into that second half, we had conceded at least three or four goals. We were behind, and I remember it was a hot day, and I was sweating. You know, through my shirt, I was like, how am I going to turn this around? And it was one of those things that was, it was like, I just wasn't mature enough. I should have, you know, been mature enough to say, no, listen, you know, I'll give you the last five, ten minutes. Then I'll make the sub when everything's finalized. And there is no, no possible way that we can let this slip away from us. And, you know, I threw it. And uh, it's one of those things I put on me. I was like, you know, boys, 
uh, that's never going to happen again. <laughs> you uh, know. Did you guys end up losing the game? Uh, we ended up uh, going out of the tournament because of that. And, uh, you know, it, I was the only coach there, and it was supposed to be a, a cakewalk, I'll be honest with you. It, it should have been, you know, we do our business for the first three games, make it to the playoffs, and then, you know, go right through. But it just didn't happen that way because I, I didn't have the – uh, the foresight to see that happening, and um, you know, like I said, it's something that's never going to happen again. I'll give the, I'll give the kids the last ten fifteen minutes max, as opposed to a whole second half. <laughs> and that's a fantastic story. And that story that you, you unfortunately, you have to learn that lesson the hard way. Yeah. You know, and it's funny that uh, that's another big topic where people will say, "Well, why are you running up the score? Why are you running up the score? It's six nothing. It's seven nothing." You know. You want to teach kids you're not it's not that you're running up the score. you want to teach the kids that you're playing um to just keep playing you know it, when it gets that when there's twenty minutes left, you know fifteen minutes left, yeah, you can start subbing, you can start doing uh different positions a little bit, um nothing all that crazy, but at the same time, you want to let the kids know that hey, this game is not over, this game is not forty five minutes. This game is not 50 minutes long. You need to com- play a complete game. Um, I know sometimes there's been, uh, especially in basketball, where teams are running up the scores where you're winning by 30, 40, 50 points. Um, and it's just, on the, I always looked at it, the team that's winning, you've got to show them that the game's not over. The team's that losing, you know, when you're on the losing end. And I've been on the losing end, both as a player and coach like that, you as a coach got to let your team your your team know hey listen i don't care if it's 100 and nothing we're still going to play hard we're still going to look for that first goal we're still going to look for that solid defense all right our formation isn't working right now let's change it up a little bit let's get ourselves ready to finish this game off and let's carry it over into next game um Sarah, have you ever have been on those um, sides where you've been yeah. up big, down big? <laughs> um, when I was 10 in a travel league for basketball, we got entered into the wrong tournament. So we were 10 facing 16-year-olds. Oh, so, yeah, our games were like 80, 100 to like maybe 20. Like maybe. <laughs> Getting dunked on. But, like, honestly, like, we were all happy. Like, we sucked because we, like, didn't even know how to do layups. But, um we had fun. We bonded the most as a team. And then on the flip side, like during JV, there'd be like teams where like, it should have been easy. It should have been a cakewalk. And then you just get in that mindset of we're going to beat them. And then it's like a close game. You're like, what? Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, you just have to keep that like mentality of like, no, we can't just walk the court. Now with the, the 16 year old league, did you have like, when you were walking on the court, what was the reaction from the the other teams? They were like coming up just like, how old are you? And we're like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like they were like calling all these plays i'm like there's no need for that like you could literally dribble by us and like there's like because we're this tall and they're up there like there was no stopping them at all good foot foot and a half yeah. difference yeah that's probably unfair but you know a little unfair i'm surprised the refs didn't notice any like issue with this <laughs> yeah, i'm surprised say something yeah i'm surprised they would still let you play was it a tournament or was it, was it... a tournament oh, okay. yeah so we did this for a few days <laughs> they look really young to be here yeah Hey, I get paid either way. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> that yeah, that's uh, now did some of the players from the other team like kind of feel 
like bad for you guys and like back oh, yeah. off a little bit? I or? mean, they felt bad for us. I'm sure they didn't play as well as they could have. I mean, but it, it didn't matter. Like, <laughs> there was just no <laughs> put way. Put your third that. string on there. That'd still score like 80 points. Yeah. But that had to have been an experience for you guys just to, hey, this is what, this is how good we can be six years from now when we're actually supposed to be in this tournament. Yeah. They, so. Well, they found out that we were like into the wrong bracket or whatever. And they're like, do you guys still want to play? We're like, yeah. And then like, I mean, a few days and we were kind of like, <laughs> this was a bad idea. This was the wrong decision, but <laughs> you're too far in at that point, right? Coach, you think we're going to win? <laughs> no, no. No, I don't. <laughs> um, injuries. Dealing with injuries. Um, Gotta love them. Oh, I have a funny story about an injury. Let's hear, let's hear the funny story. I think I know the word that yeah. you're going to say, but let's so, hear the funny story. my junior year cross country, it's like a month in or whatever. I'm in school with my friend, you know, in bio class. And I was like, just went to the bathroom, like a normal person does during the day, right? So I'm coming out of the stall, and the whole stall door, like the whole thing, like those big metal ones, falls off, nails everywhere, onto my head. So I got a concussion, right? I have a video on my phone, so it was happening. And I like just put it down on the ground, and there's like 15 girls in this room, and they're all staring at me like, what did you do? I'm like, I didn't do anything. Like, this thing fell on me. So I went back to my class, and I was like to my teacher, I was like, um, the bathroom stall door just fell on my head, like... Can I can I go to the nurse? She's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. So I get to the nurse, and she didn't do any concussion protocol. She gave me an ice pack. She's like, do you want to go back? I was like, sure. And then my friend got a video of, like, the janders carrying this door away and everything. It's a whole process. But, yeah, I got, like, a really bad concussion from it. And it, it knocked you out for the remainder of cross-country season and, and pretty much into basketball. Yeah, um, I got a concussion from a bathroom cell door. That it's, like, is the only, insane. I'm, yeah, I'm the only person that would happen to. <laughs> um, now, I... Because I, I know we had to deal with that a lot, especially just getting you back in the protocol. Did you, um, with coming back for track for or for basketball for track, did you find that it just kind of, it just dealing with all the stuff that you had to deal with, with getting cleared for the concussion, did it just kind of? It was annoying, yeah. I mean, I did all the protocol stuff. I actually went a week early than I was supposed to. I didn't realize until I did it. And then the next week I quit. <laughs> so it was like all for nothing. Like the, the trainer was like, why did you just do that? I was like, oh, I don't know. Just but, to see. Just, just to see just if to you can come back. Um, but yeah, as um, I know, I think as, as players, we've all had definitely injuries, whether it's taken us out for a game, for a season, for uh, whatever. Um, do you think it's different dealing with um, dealing with player, like an injury to yourself as a player or when you're dealing with um, – an injury as a coach to one of the players out there. Um, I know for me, it's it was always tougher dealing with an injury to somebody that you're coaching. Um, first, you got you want to you at least in my mind it flashes. Was it did I put that person in the in a bad position? Did I put them in a in a bad drill? Something that caused them injury, or and then it's just you think you instantly flash to oh my god, how long are they going to be out? Oh my God! Is do I have somebody that can take uh, their place? How is this going to affect a team? How's the team going to handle it? How's this? How's the player going to handle it? Are they going to be able to recover from this? Um, so for me, as a as a coach, it's there's definitely a lot more variables that are outside of your control. Whereas when the injury happens to you, when it's when I came back from my knee injury or shoulder injury or whatever the injury was, it was always okay. Once it heals. I know what to do to work myself back into shape. I know what to do to I know what to do uh, how, what I can work while my shoulders recovering or while uh, my knees recovering. I can still work upper body, um, and then you just kind of gradually get back into 
into that game shape and get on the field. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on dealing with coaches injuries as a coach or injuries as a player? Oh, um, uh, so I guess I'll start. Yeah, go for um, it. I when I was in middle school, I uh, fractured the growth plate in my elbow, which kind of took me out of baseball and wrestling. Um, so it, it's one of those things personally where I, I might take it a little too cautiously. Um, I, when a player gets hurt, you know, I obviously go through, or you know, so let's say you know concussion protocol. So. If a kid gets labeled with a ball, you know, I <laughs> rush onto the field immediately and say, did you see a flash? Um, you know, how many fingers am I holding up? What day is it? You know, run through the months and then work your way backwards, all that good stuff. And I probably uh, shepherd it a little too much, and that's why I'm not a head coach right now. So, <laughs> Do you but, think maybe your experiences as a player made you kind of that that? Uh, overly cautious for it? 100%. I'm so much more tentative because of, uh, you know, everything I've been through. Um, now it's, you know, it, knowing myself, it's it's a little better. I can be like, oh, man, my ankle's shot. I, I need to get off now. Y- you know, and with the kids, it, it, for me, it's if my leg is still in one, ple- in one piece, you know, I can get on the field. Um, you know, it's the, it's the whole winning mentality. You know, if, like, if I can still play, I'll play, whatever, you know. With with the kids, I in especially with the the sixteen seventeen team that I was talking about. I know the kids. I know that I have some really competitive kids that will you know probably ruin themselves if I let them go back on the field and you know hurt themselves even more. Um, but yeah, as a coach, I'm definitely a lot more tentative, and I'll say, hey, listen, you've got you know eighteen guys on the roster, eleven guys on the field. You know, it might mess with the flow of the game and the mojo, but especially at that age, it's better to take them out, keep them safe, you know, go through and make sure they're 100% or or at least ready to go back out there before, you know, I make any hasty decisions. For sure, and that's that's not always been the case. I mean, I know with coaching, even back in the— back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, even back when I was playing in the 90s and early 2000s, the— the mentality of coaching, the mentality of playing was, can you walk? Go out there and play. Are you are you hurt? Are you limping? Can you still chase down forward? Can you still make your runs? You're fine. Go out there, especially when it came to head injuries. Um, even thinking back to a player now, just how many times, whether it was going in for a slide tackle and getting hit, whether it was hitting the ground, whether it was taking a header the wrong way. I remember one time I got a... Uh, got booted in the face because some guy literally in an indoor game decided to kick up as high as he could and my nose ran into it and I'm pretty sure I broke my nose and couldn't was seeing stars and it was literally to the point where I knew I blacked out coach came out got me took me to the bench by the time I got to the bench it was are you okay me looking at him seeing two of them Coach, I'm fine. I'm fine. What's the score? Um, okay, we're tied, blah, blah, blah. Give me two minutes. I'll be ready to go back in. And literally went back in and finished the game. And there's no way um, I should have played the game. And as a coach now, there is no way I would even consider letting one of my athletes go in with an injury like that. But that was – it wasn't always the case. That was very much um, – you're fine just – 
walk it off and and go back out on the field because exactly. we need you. Um, so it's great to see though that the uh, that the the point is starting to come across, and it's funny because you'll you'll still get a lot of older coaches that just look at it as a sign of weakness. Yeah, that oh Matt's just being a baby. He's the, he's a big drama queen. Sarah, whatever she okay she got a she took a bump to the head. She's fine. She's faking it. Just come on, Sarah. We need you. Let's go. Let's run, 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 run. Um, so you still from a lot of coaches, you still get that very archaic um, way of thinking when a lot of times um, I know that sometimes I wouldn't have as much pain in my knee right now. I wouldn't have as much pain in a shoulder injury that I have right now if I had taken that extra little time to let it heal properly, let it rest properly. But it was very much that, no, if you're a baby, if you're not out there playing. Exactly. And and another factor is uh, that I personally can't deal with is the parents. Um, I know that, um, say you know their kid gets so let's say Johnny gets hurt. Let's say Johnny, um, you know, just a kid kicked him in the shin, and you know it's it's nothing bad. You know he's probably just got a bruise. If the parent decides that Johnny is going to be out for the rest of the game, that's how it's going to be. And uh, as a as a younger coach, it's tough talking to the parent and saying, listen, I've been there. I, I know Johnny's probably in some pain right now, but it's a bruise and you can still carry on. Um, but the parent's word is the, the end all be all, you know, and there's nothing you can say about that. And it's easier to let that go as opposed to fight it. And, you know, oh, for sure. You definitely have to pick your battles. Um, have any of you guys been in a situation where um, you know the kid needs to come out, but you've got the parent yelling from the sideline, put him back in, put her back in, they need to play, put him back in. Matt, I see you shaking your head yes. Have you ever had that where you know the kid is hurt, your your athlete is hurt, but you you have mom and dad yelling from him, play my son, play my daughter, put him back in. I had a girl get knocked out cold and the parent came up to me and be like, why is she not playing? And I was like, um, probably because she was laying on the ground for about five, ten seconds, kind of unconscious. And um, this was like ten-year-olds. And the mom was like livid that I was not playing her. She's like, she's like, what did we pay for? I was like, for your kid not to get hurt. That's what you paid for. So I'm not going to play your kid because... It's wrong. Yeah, because one more knock on the head and your daughter might not come back up. You'll be paying for a lot more than just a house soccer game. Yeah, I mean, and it's and I think that's where where a lot of parents don't see. They might not have, from their vantage point, they might not have seen just how hard their kid got hit or just how when they come walking off that they took a few too many steps to the left or to the right or if they're on the bench and they look like they're seeing stars or they're in la-la land. Um and it's it's I've had many conversations where I've had to tell parents your son or daughter is not playing the rest of the game because they can barely walk because they have we took her the trainer looked at them and they have a pretty severe leg injury or an upper body injury or whatever the case may be um and there's there's been parents where usually some parents where if you tell them that they back off okay thank you for letting me know there are definitely parents where they'll continue to get in your face and they'll that's when you just ma'am sir i'm going to need you to go back sit in your seats if not 
I'm going to have to, uh, you know, get security to escort you off the premises. And I hate <laughs> to see that happen. And I've had to make that happen. And it's not fun to do. Um, Sarah, anything about, did you have, while you were coaching, did you have any big injuries during basketball season that you really had to pull a kid out? No, we just had, like, typical, like, give them some ice. I mean, give them some ice. So just yeah, bumps and bruises. Or something like that. Um, any complaints about playing time? I know that's always a big... Oh, it, yeah, especially for the players, too. I mean, I'm coaching a house boys basketball league. <laughs> it's more of everyone gets their fair share. Like, I don't, like, I mean, yeah, I like to win, but, like, if we're up, like, everyone's going to play. Like, Equal playing time, yeah. I don't yeah. care. Like, you don't need to... The star person doesn't need to be in the whole game. No, like, especially in a developmental league like that, it's you're just you're there to play. Mm-hmm. You're not there to dominate. Um, you're there to play. Now, speaking of that, with coaches, um, I'm sure everybody here has a great case of a, uh, coaches that they really like, coaches that inspire them. Anybody here have? And I'm looking at Sarah. Anybody here have coaches that just after playing with them, whether whatever the sport is, just was. So I don't want to say bad, but for lack of a better word, so bad that it just kind of takes your passion away. It just kind of like, you know what, this season was so long dealing with this coach. I don't even know if I want to play anymore type of deal. Oh, yeah. Uh, my cross-country coach. Um, tell us a little bit about loved. that, Sarah. Uh, yeah, no one likes him. Okay. But it was like a thing that brought us all together, like the mutual hatred. <laughs> But it was like it got to the point. It was so bad that like he would send us separately, like staggered on our runs, so that way we couldn't converse. But we'd all just stand there and wait, and then walk. Like we just walk because we're like no, because we were all like top on the team. Like we were the varsity runners. Like we got our stuff done. Like when we needed to. But like if we wanted to go play kickball in the backfields where you couldn't see us, we're gonna go play kickball. Like (laughs) it was what it was. Now, do you think you guys had that attitude just because you had lost so much respect for him? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean. I had, like, some pretty severe, like, heart issues. I had, like, some surgeries and everything. And not once was he like, are you okay? It was, when are you running? Like, get back in here. Like, weeks after, too. It was like, I can't, like, go on a walk right now. Like, <laughs> Now, I know, because I know when you ran cross country, you were you made it to sectionals for, as a freshman, made it to sectionals, and did really well se- uh, freshman year, sophomore year. Um, unfortunately, with the, you know, didn't, I felt your junior year where you were just kind of getting back from your surgery into and shape, and then, the and then you got you got knocked out by the bathroom stall door. Um, but did you kind of even while you were recovering from that sur- the, the heart surgery that you had going into your junior season, did you kind of feel that it was almost like you didn't um, because you know going back to that team like you weren't really um, well he played uh, almost you never really want like, to get if by. you were the top on the team he was the nicest guy like I remember like my freshman year I was like really good. And he was so nice. You know, I was like always defending him. I was like, "This guy's nice. Like, why are you guys say this stuff?" And then, and then it took a turn when I couldn't run, and he didn't care. Like, if you were the worst on the team, he, he did not care. He didn't. He wouldn't even show up to your race. Like, because I remember I was on JV because I was recovering still, and I was like leading all of them. Like, where is our coach? They're like, he doesn't come. I was like, okay, guys. Like, this is what we're gonna. Like, I was coaching the like younger kids. I was like, why isn't he here? Like. And I had to get some of, like, my varsity friends to, like, get their splits and everything. I'm like, can you get them to cheer? Because he was just, like, totally preoccupied. And I was like, what? And that's it, it, just, there's no need for that. No. <laughs> and then if they got injured, too, they, because, like, you know, like, everyone gets injured. Like, it's running. No one wants to run every day. And he wouldn't let them. Like, if there was, like, the ellipticals, that's where you go, like, if you need to, like, rest. He wouldn't let them. And it's just, like, I don't know how you could be a coach like that. No. I mean, you shouldn't be a coach like no. that. 
I mean, I get it. Every coach is going to have their favorites on a team. You try to hide it. You don't show that you're playing uh, favoritism or giving preferential treatment. Um, I'm not going to lie. Throughout the years, I've always had you know players that have 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 stood out, have um, been quote unquote favorites. But at the same time, you have to treat them all the same, whether they're your top star or whether they're your bench player who maybe only gets two three minutes a game. Um, whether they're your starting seven in cross country or your bottom two, you have to treat them the same. Um, if you don't, you're going to lose respect from your team very quickly. And one thing I, I in fact, I, I took notice of it at your first banquet. I don't know if I ever told you, um, but I definitely told your mom this. Oh, yeah. It was. There's no seniors on the team. Yeah. It was every year there were, there were a, lo- a good amount of freshmen. Sophomore year kind of got less. Junior year, there's a big drop. Seniors, maybe maybe one or two seniors. And it's not like there was one girl who she was there before I was there, and she was like a D1 runner, like great. And then he came in like her second or third year, and like she thought about quitting. She was like, I'm done. Really? Yeah. Jeez. Now, it's just, it's insane, especially when being that well, and you know you've got a lot of potential, and just your coach zaps it out of you. And I think that's big. And as coaches, I think you got to remember, you can be a extremely positive influence on your athletes, or you can be the reason why some of your kids don't play. Um, thinking back to my playing career, thankfully, I had a lot more good coaches and positive coaches than I did in my career, as opposed to um, coaches that I didn't like playing for. Um, I know there was one, thankfully, high school soccer um, he was only there for my freshman year, um, but think looking back on it, if he was there for my sophomore, junior, and senior year, who knows if I make it to my senior year? Um, granted, I, w- I would have gone on for probably higher level travel teams and been still just as fine, but uh, you know I would have missed out on junior year soccer, senior year soccer, and and all those fun times. So it's uh, having the right coach. Um, can be a huge difference. Uh, Chris Soccer, have you ever come across a coach that really you're just coming off of a tournament or a game and just, I I don't want to play for this guy anymore? You know, I also have been very fortunate. Um, I think the only only coach, two coaches actually, that that have kind of made me question my own ability and my own desire to play the sport have been uh, my father actually coached me uh, he, when I initially started at U8, and then uh, he left around U11 or U12 when his his knowledge of the sport just started to run out. Um, and I absolutely love my father, but he th- there's a I get my competitiveness from him, and it was a lot of um, you know say we lost a game or. Whatever the car ride home was, either a dead silent or b the decibel rating was off the charts because he was like, "What you know? Why didn't you do X Y Z? You know, I saw you dogging it, and you know the second half, you know, and that's one reason I'll never coach my own kids. I don't think, or I'll just handle it just a little differently. Um, but the only other coach uh, that I had that. I sincerely considered just quitting everything was I uh, was in middle school, seventh grade. I was wrestling 
and uh, it was a winter sport. And I also was in musicals with Matt. Um, and I remember missing some uh, wrestling practices to, you know, go to the musical. And uh, there were some very unkind words that were said. Um, my uh, my manliness was put into question, and it was, you know, I, I'm, what, like 12 or 13 here in this, and I remember walking from the gym to uh, the auditorium, and I remember just being on the verge of tears, like, why am I putting myself through this? I'm not even that good of a wrestler, you know? <laughs> I'm, like, 80 pounds at that point, and, you know, uh, but... It, Aside from that, I've had amazing coaches, some coaches that probably don't know the game as well as I did um, at certain ages, but every coach that I've had has been super encouraging, and um, I'm not one that takes uh, criticism extremely well, but every coach that I've had is, has been, I've been very fortunate with, with my coaching selection. Good. Matt? <clears throat> kind of if you listen to the last episode and you heard me talk about the stories of getting coached by my dad similar story um yeah just just not not a good dynamic there because he since i was his kid he he put a lot more on me than he probably should have and which would make me feel bad but other than that i've i've never had a coach that made me lose passion for the game but i've had players that i've played with that have mm. really yeah. okay i i that's talk about that a little so, bit so i remember playing for one of my travel for our travel team i had this one player that like he wasn't even good but he came in like with a very like intense personality um and i remember like my like like i said in the first episode like my coaching mentality comes from my travel coach where he's like every practice is like tryouts like you know so like you're playing for a position and it's like if like i don't care if like you're the best person on the team if you're playing like crap during practice i'm not playing you um so taking that in mind i was goalkeeping at the time and i i would play the ball in the box like i wasn't like obviously i wasn't gonna like full-blown like hurt you but I'm not going to just like run up and try to scoop it. I'll dive on the ball all the time. And every time I do it and I, it happened to be him, he'd get up and he's like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like all this, like pushing me. He's like, are you trying to hurt me? Like, and I was like, we, I just could not stand going to practice knowing that he was there. It wasn't the coach. It was the, my own teammate. How old were you at the time? I was like 15, 16. So like, like I just could not stand it. I was like, dude, I get, and he was like, it's a practice, and I was like, yeah, but we play like crap, dude. I was like, we got to do something better. Yeah, and I mean, you got to practice like you play. Yeah, especially as a goaltender. I mean, what else are you gonna do? I mean, I know for me, I, my position was always either center mid or outside mid. Um, I mean, there's been times you can kind of dog it a little bit, or you know, maybe a jog or trot towards the ball. As a goaltender, I just don't see how you can not challenge for the ball. How you can, what are you going to do? Just sit on your line and let shot after shot after shot come at you? You just, that's not doing anything to make you a better goaltender. You have to practice those situations so in games you know how to handle those mm -hmm. situations. Um, but yeah, you definitely, uh, for whatever reason, I never really understood this, but I think soccer just brings out the most diva players at times and I really never understood it um, but it yeah you've you I've always come across some of those players both as a coach as a player 
where you just have those teammates where you're just like, you know what, he's wide open and I know he's our best scorer, but I don't want to pass him the ball. Oh. And you're just thinking about, like, you end up making that pass, but you're like, Ugh. Oh, after after he gave me crap about it, I would go full blown tackling him now because like I'm good like I might as well make the play and piss him off because either way it's gonna happen. Um now Sarah I'm gonna put you on the spot here a little bit. Um I know especially early on for your basketball games with me being in the crowd, I know you didn't like some of those times where I'd be not yelling from the bleachers, but maybe giving some extra encouragement that I shouldn't be giving any I, I know there'd be times on the car ride home, you know, you didn't have to say that. You know, the coach is doing fine. You know, you didn't have to. I heard you when you said that out there. Um, yeah, it's just like parent frustration. I don't think any kid really likes it when you start, like, yelling and questioning the coach. Because, like, even if you don't like the coach, it's like you have respect for them. It's just like, shut up. I try, I know, I tried not to question your coaches. And I know basketball, I've coached it before, but it's not my forte. Um, but I know a lot of times, you know, hey, Sarah, why did you guys do this? You would get because the coach told me to. See, that's so. the difference, though. Like, with basketball and cross country, like, or track or whatever, like, running, like, I never heard anyone when I was running about Like, you're just like, so, well, one, you're dying. You're dying. You're like, <laughs> when is this over? You're, you're only thinking about how much more do I have left. But um, basketball, you hear everything because you're, like, kind of, I don't know, like, not as, like, completely focused. But, but plus, you're, yeah. you know, where track, you're out in – the big, a lot of space, you know, you might not hear all the noise, whereas, you know, you're in a, a gym or it's, it's getting loud in there. Um, but any of you guys have any, like, where your co or where your, uh, your dads or, or moms or whatever maybe got a little, uh, a little too enthusiastic in the crowds watching your game, for lack of a better word? Any, uh, any stories from there? I know for mine, it was we were in, um, we were playing indoor, uh, indoor tournament over at Sportsplex and we were in the semifinals. And um, there was a good amount of, I'd say probably a good, uh, uh, maybe 100, 150 people watching in the stands or whatever. Close game, we're tied 1-1, and I come in and just, I rip a shot from just outside the 18 and didn't come anywhere near the net. And I, I was pissed. It was an under-16 six, under tournament. And all I hear as the place went dead silent is my dad in the crowd, nice shot, Larry. <laughs> And I just felt, I felt horrible about missing the shot, but that I felt even worse. I'm like, thanks, thanks Dad. Dad. <laughs> thanks, Dad. Cheers, mate. Yeah. Um, and it was just dead silent, especially for the amount of people that were there. But any any stories from your guys' uh, parents who were a little too enthusiastic in so, the crowd? So so think about this. I have my dad coaching me, so I have that side. And then I'd have my mom on the sidelines watching me. So I'd get grief from my dad if I'm doing something. And then I'd have like, the opposite on my mom. And I love my mom to death. She's a great woman, and she supports me in everything. But I remember when I was playing baseball, I had the power, but I did not have the accuracy. So people would get hit. So <laughs> my mom would stand behind the fence behind the catcher as i'm pitching so i'm like complete loss of focus on what i'm doing and just staring at my mom and when i was playing keeper my mom would be right near me like right outside the field right near the box and like i remember one time i just couldn't take it anymore and like i make a save it's just like nice save and i'm like mom stop talking to me <laughs> and i felt and I, I felt so bad afterwards but like I like I love the support, but just like to the point where like it's throwing you off your focus. I'm just like okay, 
I thank you for the support. Go sit down. Like, mom, <laughs> mom, you're at a ten right now. I love it. You're at a ten. We need you at like a seven. We need you at like a seven. We just, just bring it down just a tad, just a tad. But keep going, keep going. <laughs> But my, my dad, my dad would be livid. He's like, and you got your mom standing behind the pitchers, like the catcher's mound. So it's like, now you're losing focus. And I was like, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> She's my number one fan. She'd have like a sign. Chris, any stories from, from uh, parents on the sidelines there? So only one specific one that I can think of. Um, so, well, first I'll say my mother is a lovely woman, but she is, uh, you, you can tell her. You could probably pinpoint her from like five miles away. She's very loud, and um, it doesn't know a lot about the game. But you know, she obviously loves us to death, so she will be vocal. And it's it's a little uh, <laughs> it's a little embarrassing at times. But you know, it's one of those things where it's like you know, thanks, mom. But uh, um, I was in high school. Uh, we were playing varsity. I can't remember if I was a junior or a senior, but I remember uh, I was playing left back, and. Uh, this guy, I was shielding the ball. Um, I'm between the ball and this guy, and he's, you know, kind of uh, jabbing me in the sides, you know, being a little too friendly. Mm-hmm. And um, my father was uh, in the stands, and uh, the guy pushed me over. I do a little somersault and come right back at him. And unfortunately for me, I'm I'm five ten, and this guy was probably six four or six five at least. Um, and so I'm back up in his face, or you know more realistically his chest and my dad goes uh mess him up but uh did not say mess and uh he is he is just trying to uh incite something and i didn't need it to start because i was probably gonna lose the battle um but both both my parents were very supportive but uh my father was uh definitely a hothead and would definitely try to uh, rile the other team up, which I, I definitely didn't need all the time. Um, but yeah, yeah, B- both very supportive. You got, you got to love your parents, you know? No, Sarah, absolutely. Any, uh, any stories from you? <laughs> no, not that I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, I'm sure there was something. But. I was gonna say I was pretty I was pretty good from the from the sidelines, wasn't I? I, I mean, I didn't I didn't cross the line too much. I'd, I'd love to have you in my side. In, in, in my oh, scene. the only thing I can think of is my mom. Love my mom. but uh, <laughs> Your mom's a little loud. A lot of talks no, about moms no, today. Shout out to the moms. The talking. It was more of like when I was running, I guess she, you're all very far apart, right? So it's like easy to like misinterpret who's who. Mm-hmm. So I'd like finish and she's like, you did a great job. Like you, you did so wonderful. And I'll look at her phone. I'm like, none of these pictures are me. Like, <laughs> Like I was like I wasn't near here. This wasn't me. I'm like this might not. This isn't even the same team. I'm like, like she had like I, very rarely was there a picture of me or she was cheering for me. Sometimes just like I, I'll take blame for that because a lot of the picture taking on the cross country courses was done by me no. sending them to your mom. So, but like I remember like the one time it was a race and like I had already finished. And I just hear my mom like my one teammate's running and she's like, "Yeah, Sarah, like finish." I'm like. I'm done. <laughs> That's not me. I'm in line for the bathroom. <laughs> and it was great. And, and I'm sure your mom's going to yell at me later for telling this. But your mom's voice, like when she when she gets excited, it just gets higher and higher and higher. It's like by the time it's like, Sarah, 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 run, run. And it's just even next to her, like, all right, Vicky, relax, relax. She's at the starting line. Relax. It's not started yet. Um but yeah, it's it's always great seeing the enthusiasm from the parents, especially when you're coaching. But there have been times where you just it, 
does cross that line and you got to, hey, listen, we need to have a talk because your son, your daughter is getting a little embarrassed with some of the stuff that you've been saying. It's crossing that line where it's becoming cheering to jeering, yeah. you know, where you're you're being more of a detriment to your son or daughter. Because remember, they're hearing what you're saying. Not only are they hearing what you're saying, but their teammates are hearing what you're saying. And sometimes you're being you're not being super friendly to their teammates. Yeah. Or when you're yelling, well, my son should be playing. Why is number 11 playing? Well, remember, your son is also teammates with number 11. It's like number 11 has a name, buddy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's that's their mom. You're sitting right next to them. Exactly. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, listen, I want to thank everybody for coming here. This has been, this has been fantastic. Um, Chris, Sarah, I hope you guys really enjoyed it. I appreciate you guys coming out. Um, Matt, as always, um, I... I, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you coming out here. As did we officially make you the co-host yet? At this point, no. I, I think we could officially <laughs> make, make you official? the make, make it official. Is it, is it going to happen? I think it's going to happen. Uh, but it's been I, I love it, you guys. Thank you so much for coming out to our episode, episode four. Um, episode four. We'll call it four and a half. <laughs> I only listened to the three prior ones, so I hope there are only three. <laughs> That's right. Oh, there are only three. That's right. <laughs> That's yes, it. Thank you for having me. I this yeah, was this awesome. Was really thank you. I'm glad you guys came out. Um, thank everybody again. Listen to uh, you guys can listen to our episodes. Um, you can also follow us on Sarah. I'm gonna mess this up. Is it at uh, Insta at Stories from the Sidelines on, on Instagram? Instagram. Yeah. All right. Sarah does all my Instagram for me too, and because uh, I'm one of those old guys that just uh, doesn't know how to do that stuff. So Sarah is it's tell us where to follow us on Instagram. At Stories from the Sidelines. <laughs> right, I wanted to make sure I didn't mess that up. We're going on MySpace soon. Yeah. We're going all We're going platforms. Online. Are we on Facebook yet? Come on. I got, I got the Facebook out. I got oh, the Facebook okay, out. Right. So, uh, but thank everybody for coming out. Um, it was a lot of fun. And tune in next week for more Stories from the Sidelines. Bye, everyone. Grocery shopping day. <laughs> oh, hello, Mr. Cashier. Hello, Mrs. Card Pusher. Hello. How are you doing today? Let's see what the old wife put on the uh, the shopping list today. Let's see what. Um, let's see. Number one, we got a uh, Chris Hemsworth. Oh, that doesn't seem right. I don't. I don't think those they sell those here. Uh, must be some kind of mistake. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Chris Evans. Oh, boy. This is her celebrity crush list. Awkward. Don't be like this, husband and wife. There's only one place where a list like that belongs, and that's the Eat Sleep List podcast. You can hear us every Friday on BICBP-radio.com, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify.